welcome to Wine, Women, and Writing. I'm Pamela Fagan Hutchins, and this is a show where I have conversations with other authors about their wonderful, complex yeah, female characters who are authentic and kick ass in every way. And so if we're really lucky, that author also discloses some of the reasons and real life experiences that they came up with those characters. We try not to use too much profanity or oversharing, but I make no promises. Um, And if you want to catch any of the past episodes, be sure to go out to my website, PamelaFaganHutchins.com. You can also see the upcoming shows and get the books and read along ahead of time, because I do think of this show as Pamela's personal book club. You can also, while you're out there, find um, information on my USA Today bestselling and Silver Falchion best mystery winning um, romantic mysteries. So why not? I mean, go do it. Heck yeah, right? And today's a special show, not just because we have a, a guest who I really, really enjoy, but also because behind me, you see seated the winners of my reader appreciation contest, who by virtue of entering and writing poetry about my books, <laughs> limericks and all kinds of stuff, um, got to come spend a week at our Wyoming Lodge with us. So you'll get to hear from some of them. They've read Denise's book and we're all ready to ask her questions today. And in fact, that brings up who the guest is. So with no further ado, we have today Denise Grover Swank, New York Times bestselling author uh, with her newest release. Um, it's a Rose Gardner Investigations book, Come Rain or Shine. Welcome back to the show, Denise. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, you are very welcome. And so who's the beauty in your lap? I see a, a this, lovely face. Dude, I don't know if you can see very well. The lighting is not so great here. I have some ring lights that I started using at home, and I'm at my lake house, and I don't have them here, so the lighting kind of sucks. But this is Duke. He is my 10-year-old long-haired dachshund. He's a rescue I got last October. And um, I think I'm his therapy person. He, <laughs> he has like high anxiety and he thinks he's my guard dog. So he will bark at anything that he thinks is going to come attack me. So if I hold him on my lap, I think he might behave. <laughs> I love how he just oh. laid his head back on you. Like he, you really are his therapy person. Yeah, he's like this sometimes and I scratch his belly, but that'll be a little distracting. So we'll just <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's super cute. Welcome to the show, dude. I didn't prepare questions for Duke, but um, (laughs) (laughs) well, we really all enjoyed Rain or Shine and I've been watching it. It seems to be that it's killing it. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a different release for me because I typically have pre-orders. So Mm -hmm. I've been doing pre-orders for at least three, maybe four years now on that series. And so it was a book that I released that didn't have a pre-order. So I didn't know how it was going to release. And it was kind of an experiment, but also um, I was hoping to write it before. I didn't know if I'd be able to fit it in my schedule. So I wanted to write it and then not announce it in case I couldn't like. Right. Leave yourself the freedom to um, breathe if necessary. (laughs) But you made it. I, uh, you know, I think from watching you on Facebook that you really pretty much hit your target date, didn't you, for release? Yeah, or? I did. I was hoping for that. Well, I was hoping for mid-April, um, but I, you know, I didn't want to rush the editing process, and my editors were already like trying really hard to like make sure that, that we got it out as soon as possible because I had another book that was releasing um, June 11th. That's a companion series, and so we were wanting at least a month between them, and so right, uh, yeah. They, but, but my, I have some amazing editors who have been so um, 
supportive and encouraging and it worked with me because last year I was going through like some really, it was really struggle for me to write last year yeah. and I was deadlines and stuff. And so um, they like pretty much babied me through it and held my hand because I had pre-orders. So I couldn't right. miss those, although I did cancel one um, and they were super supportive and they so could have been like, you have a schedule you know, I have a schedule. I mean, I was very cognizant of the fact that I was making life difficult for them, um, but they were just so supportive and encouraging. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for one thing I, I think that um, readers might find interesting is when you think about an editor's schedule, they have all these different authors that they're working with and they're trying to put food on the table and they count on you making your date. And so sometimes you think, what happens if that author misses their date? It's not really that big a deal, but it is because you've got this window to work with your editor and you've promised the retail sites who will penalize you if you don't make your dates that you'll have it up at a certain time. And you can't just, especially for a series author, you cannot change editors because you lose your continuity. You really are dependent upon them. So um, my, my editors are so good. Like I trust them so much that I couldn't imagine not working with them. So, yeah, I feel the same about mine, everything, especially like I don't use beta readers or anything anymore. I mm -hmm. mean, the only people who read my books at this point are my editors. No one mm -hmm. else reads my books before the release. So I really yeah. count on them and trust them to tell me whether something works or doesn't. Or, yeah. I had a recent experience where my editor had a conflict in time that something family came up and she's like, you can get somebody else if you need to. And I said, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, we'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait on you. So now, okay. So for the listeners that have not um, read Come Rain or Shine or might not be familiar with Rose, can you give right. us a little um, history, a little background and, and, and take us to Come Rain or Shine? Okay. Well, a Rose Gardner um, is now two series. Um, the first is Rose Gardner Mystery Series, and the first book released back in 2011, and there are nine books in that series. Um, and readers um, just kind of wanted to wrap it up. Like, I usually have a mystery. It's a mystery series, um, kind of romance mystery. So there's a mystery in each book, but towards the later part of that series, every mystery has, and there's like continuing storyline, like secondary storyline that often played into the mysteries. Um, so like every, you know, there were always, even though the mystery was wrapped up, there were still questions about what was going on in Rose's life and the background information. So, you know, I had a lot of readers who were wanting that wrapped up. And so I did that. I wrapped that series up, but then restarted it because Rose and her best friend, Nina Kate, had started like actively investigating cases. I'm like, how many times can Rose Gardner fall in, fall into a mystery that she needs to solve right <laughs> <laughs> to like take on cases? So they started interning with um, a PI in Rose Gardner Investigations, the new series, which literally just flows into the next. Um, although I tried to make it so that people didn't have to read the first series, but um, my readers keep telling everyone that they need to. <laughs> <laughs> which we don't mind, right? <laughs> All right, anyway. Um, but so Kim Shine was the fifth book in the series. And then there's also a companion series with that. Rose's best friend, Neely Kate had her own kind of mystery. So um, Neely Kate has three books um, in that, like the information that she has plays into Rose as well too. But I just wrote the final Neely Kate book and released it um, last week. So that's going to be it for Neely Kate. Yeah, she'll still be in Rose's books, but we won't get her point of view. So. And what about Rose? Do you, do you 
see yourself because I, I think when I talked to you before, you said you're always thinking about Rose. You know that that she's a, a character that stays with you. Do you think yeah. you'll keep riding the Rose? I'm always like positive, oh, and thinking about like I mean. I've been thinking a lot about the end of the series because everybody asks me when, when are, how many books? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how many. Um, so like part of me is starting to think, well, maybe there should be an end date in sight. I don't know. My readers won't like that. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I put off my next Rose Garner release till next April because I felt like I needed a little break from her. And so um, I don't know. I, I definitely that one. Um, and then I might take an even longer break because I love Rose and I think I want to keep writing her, but I have so many other ideas and her books are very complicated. So yeah. I think I'll wrap up. That yeah, whatever history, you know, the, every single one is convoluted by everything that's come before it would yeah, get. Because if you so take much. the nine books in the first series and the five books, that's 14 books plus Neely Kate's books, that's 17 books of, of, you know, yeah, <laughs> canon that I have to get in there. And occasionally something, I screw something up. But thankfully, um, my editors are pretty good about catching something. Like I had, Kate's book, I had mentioned something about her ex-husband or her husband um, coming to live in Henrietta. And my editor was like, wait, you mentioned that he lived there. He had a girlfriend in high school. And I was like, oh, crap, I got to go back. <laughs> yeah, and if the editors don't catch it, the readers seem to know the series inside and out, and they'll catch it yeah. if they don't. And that so. was like in book five, I think it, book five of the first series, and I'm like, I'm glad you remember that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was reading the book, one thing I was thinking that really struck me about Rose in this book is she is in all kinds of transition. Rose is the, is the, but there's a lot of rain <laughs> going on in her come yeah. rain or shine life, but a ton of yeah. transition. Um, so what, what was your feeling going into this? What story were you trying to tell about Rose with, with well, come rain or shine? Uh, there's like, there was a huge, well, there were two major decisions that I made for this book. Um, I knew that, that her sister has been sick. So I knew we were going to see a resolution to that <clears throat> in this book. And that was part of the reason I decided for the, the title come rain or shine because right. Rose is um, notorious for being an optimist. She's a half class full kind of person. And so, um, I knew it was going to be, you know, it was going to be hard for her to go through that. Um, but I also had been playing with the idea and teasing, um, an idea of a major life change for her in the last two books. And even though I like teased it, I still hadn't decided whether I was going to commit to it or not. And then I did, I decided to commit to it. And so what I decided can often be seen as the kiss of death for a series. Um, right. and Oh, like I sought some advice from Shannon Mayer. She's an urban fantasy author, but she's like a very close friend. And so I'm like, I think I'm going to do this. And um, she goes, she was, she was like totally on board. She goes, I think you should do it. Um, and then I told my editor as I was writing, I'm like, okay, I've decided to do this. I really thought a lot about it. I've actually lost sleep over it. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, I think you can make it work. And then once I made that decision, it just all, and so then at that point, strangely enough, I had the idea of, well, I'm probably going to piss off some people for doing this. Like I'm going to readers, I'm going to, I'm going to divide. There's going to be a dividing line in the scene. Some people are going to like it. Some people are really going to hate it. I may lose some readers for it. But then once I had that mindset, then it was really very free. 
And I could write the book I wanted to write. I didn't have to worry about reader expectations. I could just write the story I wanted to write. And it was unbelievably received. Like I sent a newsletter out and told my readers, like, I'm scared to release this book. Because then there was another major thing that happened that I knew was going to upset people. Um, and I was like, you know, and I even told my daughter, I told him in the newsletter and I told my daughter, it was a true story. I said, I, I think I've changed my mind. <laughs> it's too right. late. Well, and we cannot tell people. <laughs> you already wrote it. I said, I'm going to all rewrite it. She goes, no, you're not. <laughs> we cannot tell you, dear listeners, what this thing is because it is a huge spoiler, but yeah. it was a big step change. It was a big step it change. Was I'm so glad you did it. And it's so interesting because like um, this, so like I have discussion groups for my books after they release, because I realized that especially very early in the Rose Gardner series, I usually leave the book with a hook and people uh, misunderstand the difference between a hook and um, a cliffhanger. So cliffhangers mm -hmm. like, and I've done those before cliffhangers when like if the major, major thing of a story is the mystery. So if I left the mystery unsolved and to be continued, that'd be a cliffhanger. But a hook is like a little personal thing, um, like, um, you know, a character finding out his girlfriend that he broke up with was pregnant. Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. So, but he's a secondary character and it was, that's a hook. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I, so like I started those discussion groups way back in the Rose Garner mystery series. Um, and I usually typically get anywhere from three to 700 members in those discussion groups. Yeah. This book had 1,700. It's about 1,700 members. <laughs> the, very, the, the very thing that made you nervous to release it and the whole telling people that you were, it's very intriguing. It's super fun yeah. for everybody. And it was, it was much better received than I expected. I mean, there were people that were upset. There were people who said they're done. You know, I get that every book, though. I mean, yeah. if you want a long series, you're going to get that every book. Right. Um, um, but for the most part, it was pretty well received. So um, I think, it, and I think that was a good lesson for me to follow my gut, to stop Absolutely. listening to the outside voices of what I think my readers want and then just follow my gut, what I think works best for the story. Which is what you started with, right? And was so successful with in the beginning. So it's a wonderful place to come back to. Not that you haven't been doing great all along, but what a wonderful thing to rediscover at this stage, you know, that your gut yeah. still, your instincts are still on. Yeah. They're, yeah. They are not, they are your friend. So she's having a tough time in this book. And I've got to say that, you know, the quintessential question that I have is who's the good guys and who's the bad guys in your book. I tell you what your books remind me of. And I, this is a big compliment for me, Denise, because I love justified the show justified. Yes. You didn't watch it. Timothy Oliphant, who my God, so beautiful and all of them. But um, in the, in the, in the series, which was, I think FX and you can still, I think, catch it all over the place, prime, all kinds of different places. You never know. The bad guys are super bad, but they're, it's also, they're super good. And you've got all of this really, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? And yet a tiny little town and, and pretty much everyone is the bad guy. <laughs> and, I was, and that's what I get the feel of sometimes when I'm reading your books. It's like, this is, this is a little justified here. Yeah, I like to play with that, especially with that series. I like to, um, because Rose started off with, you know, what's right and wrong. And then as she goes through life, and I think as most of us who actually mature and realize there's a world outside our backyard, 
um, that that line starts to blur. I mean, not in the fact that we're going to like condone bad things, but we realize that everything's not so black and white. There's a whole lot of gray. And so I love right. to play with gray in that series. There's a lot of gray. Um, and so yeah. like there's a character, Mason, he um, was Rose's boyfriend for a while. He used to be the assistant DA. And when they were together, his goal was to clean up the corruption in the county. And she was totally 100% behind it. And so are the readers. Like there were, Rose was in the good guy camp and there was the bad guy side and everyone was all for cleaning that up. But then as she started to dip her feet into the bad guy world and became friends with these people, um, and then they eventually broke up with her boyfriend, um, now Mason is back, he's doing the exact same thing he was doing before, cleaning up the corruption in the county, but now she's on a, she's straddling a line. She's more, she's more sympathetic to the other guys. And so... Um, a lot of readers totally villainized Mason, which I think is really funny because, you know, and I'm quick to point out, I mean, they can think whatever they want. I don't care. Um, and I love that. I love that they like see the other side, but I'm like, he's still doing the exact same thing. He was doing before. Right. He, he's a miss. I will admit, I will freely admit that he's like upset with Rose and he pretty much knows that she's up to stuff she shouldn't be. Um, and he's not handled it well, but he's still, his main goal is still the same thing that it was. So uh, yeah, it's interesting to me. So he's like that firm, firm line in the sand of this is what the way it's supposed to be. And then you have her current love interest, um, James Malcolm, Skeeter Malcolm, who's like the head of the crime people, you know, the crime world in the county. And he's like, they're just like polar opposites. So it's, it's funny to, for me, it's, it's fun as an author to, to play with her like shifting allegiances. And, yeah. You know, it keeps so. it interesting. Now, speaking of keeping it interesting, um, you were teasing on Facebook that there's a new series that you were going to talk about that you have an idea for. Yeah, there is. So a lot of, some of my readers are really surprised at this because I introduced this at the end of Neely Kate. So I had brought a character into Rose's world two books of hers ago and, um, her name is Carly, and she was like, they literally found her on the side of the road. And Rose being the person she is, uh, like, she, her car broke down. She didn't have any money. So Rose, of course, like, invites her to stay at her house and <laughs> um, gives her a job and stuff. And so, and Carly, in the last, in Come Rain or Shine, plays a very significant part in that and helping take care of Rose's sister. Um, but, yeah, so Carly is uh, leaving, is leaving Fenton County and is going to have her own series. And so um, I brought her in so readers could get to know her, but also so I could get to know the character. Um, yeah. I into her own world. So. She's leaving Fenton County. You were moving this outside of Fenton County, Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee. Drum, Tennessee. I made that up. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm going to move out of the chair and let um, a couple of other people come um, grill you awesome. for a second. So, all, all right. right. I'm scared. <laughs> Hi, Denise. I'm Kirsten Marquette. Hi. And I'm really excited to be here and um, be able to talk with you. Uh, it's a great honor. And uh -huh. I have some actually interesting questions. So Pamela and I were talking about um, authors and how they like to listen to music. And I was yes. wondering, 
if yeah so what type you listen to and I want you to go in really in depth here so do you split it up between different scenes if it's a, a scene of intensity or you know winding up what do you like to listen to and tell me take me into your world as to why this appeals to you in that specific scene okay I am very much a music person um it very much affects me so um if I'm writing like urban fantasy I'll listen to something with a lot of like drive or kind of atmosphere to it. Um, one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite um, things to um, albums to listen to while I'm writing urban fantasy, and I'm writing um, one right now, a paranormal romance. So right now I have queued up, literally right now, um, Penny Dreadful soundtrack, the show Penny Dreadful, the first season. I love it. It's very atmospheric, kind of creepy, and so it really plays into that. Um, so sometimes it depends. Like if it's a romance, I listen to light and fluffy kind of stuff because I write a lot of genres. Or um, like when I was writing my very first um, series, Chosen, uh, I would listen to like songs with a strong beat to it. Like when I was writing, because I was writing car chase scenes, which is hilarious because I do not race cars. Like I was Googling and looking at YouTube videos. Anyway, I listened to those on repeat because it had like a drive and it kind of kept my adrenaline up so that I could so yes. it depends depends on the book depends on the the series depends yeah i do listen for scenes um um but um and i'm very eclectic like i listen to soundtracks i listen to maroon five i listen to um um stone garden like it's like super eclectic depending on what i'm like i'm writing so yeah and it's weird because like i will post these songs sometimes for readers and I can tell that not all of them, like, it, it's, like they don't get it. And I think part of it is because I'm in my own head. And, like, they can read a scene so much faster than I can write it. So it might take them, like, three minutes to write, read a scene that took me a half hour, 45 minutes to write, listening to that song on repeat, right? Because <laughs> I get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, does, is that it? That, did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. It absolutely did. And I was wondering, okay, so how much of your real life do you put into these <laughs> um, Bits and pieces, um, surprisingly. <laughs> Little bits and pieces here and there that you would... Um, the, the biggest example I give of that is um, Rose Gardner's second book. She's called for jury duty. And so um, she's uh, she, in Voyard Dyer, um, when they're questioning people, she's um, told that she had just, her mother had just been recently murdered. And so she typically juries, if someone's been a victim of uh, a, a victim or affected by a violent crime and the case is a violent crime, they'll like excuse them because they can be unduly affected by that. <clears throat> and so the judge wants her to recuse herself and she won't do it. And he, and the, the and so does the defendant attorney. And so uh, the defense attorney. And so she finally, like, she just won't do it. And they finally just say, fine, just excuse her. You know, you can, you have some exclusion. Well, that actually happened to me. Like, I, <laughs> I was called for jury duty, and it was a medical malpractice case. <clears throat> and my husband was an attorney. So they wanted me to excuse myself because they said I couldn't be impartial. I said, that's not true. I said, I firmly believe there are instances where there should be medical malpractice cases in cases where the doctor was negligent. And so the attorney and I are like arguing back and forth. And then the judge jumps in and he's like, can you see why he, like, it was almost word for word what's in that book. And I was like, yes, I can. But you're telling me that I'm, 
if you ask me to do this, I'm lying and I'm committing perjury. So finally I caved, but like for days after I was like, I recused myself. But for days after I was so upset that I didn't stand my ground because I truly believe I could be impartial. So yeah. <laughs> but you back because it's in a book. Yeah. So there's all kinds of little things that end up in books, but that's like one of the biggest things that have that has happened. So yeah. Great. Thanks for sharing. I'm going to let Vicki, I believe Vicki had questions, so I will get yeah. out of the way. And thanks Great so much. Yes. Yeah. Have nice fun this week. Oh, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Hi, Denise. Hi. Good morning. Vicki Herzog. Um, so I was wondering, just knowing that a lot of times y'all, uh, I know from Pamela that there's a lot of real life experiences and stuff like that in y'all's books. So I was wondering with Rose's character and her visions, is there, was that just something you came up with or was there any uh, person that you based that off of that you knew or? Um, no, actually. So um, the first book I wrote that I started to query because I wrote books back before self-publishing was a thing. Um, was Chosen, which is a paranormal series or urban fantasy. And so the little boy in that book had visions and whatever he saw came true. They couldn't change it. It was like hard, fast rule. Um, and so when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to sell that series because paranormal wasn't selling back in 2010, um, I decided to write Rose Garner. And for some reason, I just still like the idea of playing with visions. So I decided that she would have visions too, um, but they would – be able to be changed and they would be, it was going to be a much more lighthearted book. So the visions she usually saw were just totally mundane things uh, that made her look like she was just nosy. Um, like she'd know where somebody's lost keys were. And so most people, nobody knew she had visions. They just played it off. And so it was fun to like take the same concept I'd been working on for two books because I'd written two books at that point and then play with something else um, in a little more lighthearted tone i will say that sometimes though she still has visions um and they've changed over time but sometimes i'm writing a book and i have to think to myself oh i need to have a vision and i go yeah she has visions we need to add some in and so um sometimes i'll write the story and then get halfway through and purposely just write the story and then say okay where can i go back and insert some visions because a lot of times there weren't clues and um i'm also trying to get her more to rely on herself and not her visions for her clues which is kind of a a touchy thing because the whole thing started with her using her clues for and that's that's how she gets her leg up on other people she can use her visions and she can force them now before they were just like happened out of nowhere she had no control and so now she can control them more and, and, and instigate them so yeah there's definitely an evol uh, uh, the way it's evolved because originally in the first book i know she would just like blurt out yeah, oh you know no control yeah evil and then in the fifth book they're a little more subtle so yeah, yeah. yes i read it so that she's oh so you've read the series oh. <laughs> Um, so as she um, gets along and she becomes more in control of it, it uh, it starts to like smooth out. And I think she's like figured that out that when she tries to ignore it and she doesn't purposely use it, they start to blurt out and she has less control over than when she purposely uses it. So for her, she just needs to find the balance of, because she also, when she first started practicing using it, 
um, she was like using it on her friends um, and with their encouragement. Um, but she would see things that she didn't necessarily want to see or they didn't want her to see as well. So yeah, it's a fine line for her to know when to use them and how to use them and be respectful of other people's privacy because she's like, she's privy to a lot of things that people might not necessarily want to know. So yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm back. So, you know, as I was talking with you earlier about uh, Rose being a woman in transition in this book, you were just touching on how she's using her visions differently. She really does seem to be coming to be becoming the kind of strong woman. The growing up, is, yes. you know, this maturing in her is really occurring. And that was really coming out and come rain or shine. I mean, you know, some some things are happening that are forcing her. But well, she's also, you know. Everybody has a rock bottom, right? Where, like, especially a character, sometimes you'll hit their character will hit rock bottom in their in one book, if it's one book, or if it's a trilogy or whatever. But I feel like Rose has hit her rock bottom of what, she, like, bad things that have happened to her. Right. And so I feel like this, we've hit the bottom, especially in Neely Kate's book, and now all there is is for her to grow and to become this amazing woman that she's destined to be like in her next book she's she's gonna be a woman in charge so yeah <laughs> rose in charge okay so you know unfortunately, at some point we have to wrap this up but before we do um if you were to cast the rose gardener series do you have <laughs> someone you would cast for your lead characters uh, I get asked this all the time. I'm terrible at this. I, I don't see actors or actresses typically. When so, I, but that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> but I will say yeah. that I, I would not be upset if Chris Helmsworth was Mason. I kind of picture him as Mason. <laughs> that works. <laughs> that works. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have in my head. Rose is the hardest. I've never found anyone that I thought captured her the way she is in it, my head. I'm just going to throw it out there that you pretty much just cast the hot guy, you know, that that's it. I love Mason. I still love Mason. I don't think Ina Upper Rose are not meant to be together right now, but yeah. My Mason fans are like, yes, Mason. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much all the women are like, I've watched that show. We haven't discussed plot. We haven't discussed the female characters. Just this show stars Chris Hellsworth. So there you go. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> no, this character named Rose. <laughs> Rose something. <laughs> well, it has been a delight. You and Duke are the best. Duke, did was this? Oh well, yeah, he's been good. Yeah, good. He has a yeah. <laughs> he did great. He did great, and your lake internet held up, and it was a lot of fun. I did. Um, no, my my internet at home is sometimes kind of iffy. So yay. <laughs> We rocked the internet today. So Denise, thanks for being on. For everybody out there, thanks for listening and be sure and pick up. I recommend starting at the beginning and getting to know Rose so that you can progress through the series. But if nothing else, catch up, catch up with us and read Come Rain or Shine. Next week, we're going to have um, Bethany Lopez. So A Splash of Vanilla is the book to pre-read for the show. And it won't hurt my feelings if you pick up my uh, July 4th um, novella, my Maggie novella that's coming out in Buckle Bunny. So if you want to know a little bit more about Hank and Maggie, there's your chance. And uh, in the meantime, Denise, have a great time out at the lake. And all of the rest of you, until next time. 
Thanks for having me. Oh, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>